So earlier in the fast lane, Trey proclaimed his greatest level of confidence in our votes of confidence for the Kansas City Chiefs to, to cover. cover the spread against the Baltimore Ravens. I proclaim my greatest confidence as far as games this weekend of the San Francisco 49ers to end. Well, I think it's an awesome story of the Detroit Lions, but ultimately, you know, the fairy tale ends this coming Sunday uh, right here on the Virginia Talk Radio Network, by the way, with 2 o'clock airtime for coverage of that doubleheader. What does Drew Densick think? Well, we hear from him now. Of course, you can find him at whale underscore capper on Twitter and the NBC Sports Bet the Edge podcast. Drew, a pleasure to speak with you. Of the two NFL games this weekend, where is your greatest confidence as far as side or total? Ooh, man. Um, well, I guess I would have to say Niners just because the market agrees with me. Uh, I played, uh, you know, just for the record, I played over in the uh, KC um, Baltimore game, and that has been steamed against me. Uh, and then I played uh, minus seven on uh, the Niners, largely based on uh, the expectation that the Niners offense is going to have themselves a day, uh, and that there was a realistic chance that the Niners pass rush just using their front four was going to be successful in uh, really flummoxing uh, any of the passing game that the uh, Lions would uh, trot out there, just you know, with the, uh, the talent advantage and the injury advantage and uh, just in general, the home field advantage. I think uh, that unit really uh, could shine on Sunday. So uh, if I have to just pick one, it's the Niners. And uh, honestly, the the fact that they are you know now seven and a half and you know trending to a juicy seven and a half, I think uh, that's about right. Uh, so if you haven't already gotten the Niners seven in your account uh, at this point, I would probably look more for alter you know the alt spreads. Um, you know, I'm I'm still waiting for. Uh, some of those markets to come open, but I'm going to play Niners minus nine and a half. I'm going to play Niners Niners thirteen and a half because there's definitely a, a pretty uh, fat tail, in my opinion, in terms of a game state where the Niners don't just win, but they win with uh, you know a little bit of uh, emphasis. So uh, this could get out of hand, and that could be uh, a fun day to be a San Francisco fan. And uh, you know the fact that this is uh, you know a, a kind of a team that is uh, healthy at the right time, and you know and and facing a Lions team that, you know, this, this may be a little bit happy to be here and maybe a little bit, uh, you know, kind of unprepared for uh, the setting, considering that they're not a lot of experience on that team with uh, road playoff games. Like, you know, there, there are a lot of X factors that help push me in favor of the Niners here. So um, that's, uh, I think ultimately that's uh, the best looking championship weekend. But if, you know, I think it's important for everyone listening to know uh, markets are pretty sharp this time of year. Markets are pretty efficient, and uh, all, you know, realistically, the uh, the edges are a lot smaller than they would be in you know middle of the season on a random you know Sunday day. So, uh, tread carefully. Tread carefully. Be wise. Always bet within your means. Those are words that we try to continually reemphasize. Here in the fast lane is Drew Densick from the NBC Sports podcast, Bet the Edge. He's also got a second one, the deep dive with Andy Molitor and The Whale. That's his social media platforms, whale underscore capper. For Drew Densick, who's with us here in the fast lane. Drew, is this oversimplifying it to say that in terms of players, Detroit has a solid roster. But everywhere where they are solid, the Niners just have better pieces, whether it's defensive linemen, offensive playmakers, or even quarterback play. Yeah, no, I it, that is totally fair. Um, and you know, I'll be honest, I've been losing a little bit of sleep, uh, not because of the Australian Open, but because the, the skill position group for that Lions team is 
as good as what the Niners have, which is the best in football. So, uh, you know, that maybe it, maybe it's one A, one B. Um, and realistically, Purdy and Goff, there's not a huge difference in terms of what those players can do. Uh, and honestly, Shanahan and Ben Johnson is one A, one B. Like there's, you know, it's just really shades of gray differences in terms of you know talent on the offensive side, quarterback. And uh, and scheme, so um, you know it's it's going to come down to realistically the Niners' defensive line winning their one v ones against a, a battered and uh, on the road offensive line, in my opinion. And it's a little bit of a gamble, honestly. Like if I felt like this was better of the century, we would be having a different conversation. Um, but uh, seven is seven and a half is is my fair. Uh, we're almost there now, and uh, I just see a long tail where we could see. Uh, you know, a pretty com- you know, a complete effort because ultimately, if this, if the, I don't see a ton of um, likelihood that the, the Lions defense shows up, I'll be honest with you, uh, and that is largely because they rely so heavily on the blitz. And uh, in general, if you are unable to generate pressure with just your front four against Brock Purdy, you're in deep trouble. Uh, and so if they are unable to generate pressure because they elect to just stick with their front four pass rush and they drop extra in coverage, they're going to get beat on the ground. If, it, if they elect to uh, bring the blitz, then Kirk Purdy and Shanahan, is gonna, they're going to carve this uh, unit and get yak beyond that because the tackling for the uh, Lions is pretty questionable. So, you know, I think the likelihood of the Niners having a hugely successful day just matriculating and, uh, and getting some explosive plays mixed in is, is high. And uh, it's going to be, you know, incumbent upon the Lions to answer. To the other game, to the other game with Drew Dinsick of the NBC Sports Bet the Edge podcast. As Drew is with us here in the fast lane, everything points to this is not the same Kansas City explosive offense. They've won with defense. Baltimore's had issues in this spot, but you know, there's still Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. Is that ultimately a deciding factor in why? It's really hard to go all in on a Ravens team that on paper looks better, but they don't have the coaching quarterback advantage. No question about it. <laughs> there, whether you, whatever side you choose in that game, I can guarantee you're going to have a little bit of remorse. Or uh, you know, if, if you're if you're losing in the fourth quarter, you're going to have remorse one way or the other. Uh, I can't believe I didn't back uh, Andy Reid and Pat Mahomes as dogs. Or I can't believe I didn't recognize that this. Uh, Ravens team was all universe, all all time, uh, com- perfectly complete and healthy at the right time. Um, it hasn't really been covered much, but the Ravens are really, really lightly traveled, really, really lightly tested physically over the last handful of weeks. So uh, I had came I came to the week with some more. Kansas City enthusiasm than a lot of the people in the market, and the market has shifted from, say, three and a half to or really from like a juicy three to three and a half to four. And I, I'm, in my opinion, that's largely based on the uh, rest and, and travel advantage that Baltimore has in this one. Uh, and I, I get it. Like that, that could be ultimately the deciding factor. But uh, if you're going to make me go to war with one quarterback, I don't mind going to war with Mahomes. Uh, and Really, just the fact that you have two experienced offenses, two experienced coaches, two experienced quarterbacks. Um, this is why I like the over in this game more than I like any of the, either of the sides. Um, and ultimately, a game that manifests as score and answer, uh, where a team with the ball last wins could very well be the, uh, the game state we see on set on Sunday. And so, uh, over 44 would be my favorite play in the game. But just 
like for perfect <laughs> for perfect uh, uh, transparency, I bet over 44 and a half when it was you know like minus 104, minus 105, and uh, the market has decidedly dumped on my opinion there because it has gone <laughs> the other way. So, um, and I'm also not an especially great totals better. So, uh, take all that with a grain of salt. Drew, the Australian Open is the way we will wrap things up in the fast lane or touching on tennis. So here it is. Yannick Sinner beats Novak Djokovic and rather convincingly before looking at the finals matchups and what lies ahead. Feel free to critique this, say it's spot on or pick it apart how you wish. Novak Djokovic may still win another Grand Slam, but the days of him dominating and being by far the 1A guy, that's now under siege, so to speak, with multiple challengers. 100% agree. Like, without question, agree. And uh, it's like, if you want a little bit of context to step back a bit and try to understand what's happening here, um, the aging curve hit Novak Djokovic something like five years ago. And his, his peak was in the ballpark of 2018-2019. And the fact that he has carried it to this point is a, is a, a credit to how you know, the, the, the decline in performance from Federer and Nadal was more you know, was ahead of him because they're older. And the, the, uh, the group of challengers that came up uh, in that interim was not worthy. And the group of challengers that have come up now are worthy. Alcaraz, Sinner, these guys are as good, as talented. They have as high of a ceiling as the big three had in their prime. And so you're in, we're in the exact moment where there is a crossover between uh, the next generation of the big three, which or really could be just the big two between Sinner and Alcaraz. Uh, if you want to throw Medvedev in there because he is maybe the best of the lost generation, he did beat Djokovic head-to-head for his one slam. Uh, that's fine. But, uh, you know, it was a little bit of a perfect storm where uh, these guys were getting better and better and better and coming up at the same time that Djokovic has hit uh, his way on the way down. And, like, I, I ran numbers for that uh, Sinner-Djokovic match uh, as soon as we knew it was happening. And I had it in his coin flip. I couldn't really believe that the market was so convinced that there was a heavy advantage Djokovic. And, you know, if you're going to base it entirely on history at the at the event, entirely on, you know, kind of some sort of mystical mental dominance, like, okay, fine, but that's just not the, that's not the way things are anymore. Uh, jo- you know, Yannick Sinner beat Djokovic head-to-head in huge, huge moments, twice at the end of last season, and carried all of that confidence into this, you know, into this uh, tournament, and it's showing. And, you know, the... The, this is not to say that it is a foregone conclusion that Sinner wins the final. The final is going to be phenomenally competitive. Um, you know, I, I can tell you that um, you know you had four you know four data points from last season where these two men went toe to toe in finals, and they're two and two. And actually, you have every single result present in that data set. There was a Sinner by two. There was a Sinner by three. In, in three, there was a Medvedev in two. There was a Medvedev in three. Like, there's really no clear signal that there is uh, a strong advantage here. I will just say, though, that Sinner is building into, uh, you know, his career where we do not know where his ceiling is. And Medvedev, I think we, I think we have a sense of where his ceiling is just because of his, uh, you know, just, you know, it, it just his age and what we've seen from him in his, uh, in his, you know, last five year sample. So, um, ultimately, I, I think there, this is going to be a competitive match. 
the advantage from an experience standpoint is clearly Medvedev. The advantage from a, uh, um, a head-to-head recency standpoint is surely thinner. Uh, so those two cancel out, and then you just go with raw numbers, hold break percentage, uh, and really just, I don't know, I, I, I people kind of correctly, I think, characterized the Sinner-Djokovic match, especially the first two sets, as Djokovic was just... He was not there to play. He just didn't look right. He didn't look into the match. He was, you know, something was clearly wrong, and uh, and that takes a little bit of the credit away from Sinner. Um, but ultimately, Sinner played a four-set match against Novak Djokovic, and for the first time in his career, uh, forced a, um, uh, a completed match where Djokovic did not uh, even manifest a break chance, let alone uh, you know have a break of serve. And that is truly, truly spectacularly. Uh, impressive, considering that Djokovic is the best returner uh, of all time in the game of tennis. So um, I'm I'm riding Sinner uh, pre-tournament at uh, plus 650. Uh, I think he will win this against Djokovic, but I mean, excuse me, against uh, Medvedev. But uh, it's going to be competitive, and the market right now steaming in favor of Sinner. I don't agree with my fair on that one as Sinner uh, minus 210, Djok- uh, uh, Medvedev plus 210, and ultimately I think it's going to be a competitive match because of the experience that uh, Medvedev brings to the table, and I think Sinner comes through 3-1. Drew, to wrap things up here in the fast lane, W226, BG, Timberlake, WVGMA, Lynchburg, WMNA, Gretna, Danville, Southside, and across the Virginia Talk Radio Network and the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app. To wrap it up with this, are you as convinced that the underdog on the women's side, Shin Wing Jin, by the way, uh, I'm gleeful that I got a 100-to-1 future on her at Wimbledon and hope she's still available when that comes in in a few months. But um, do you think Shin Wing Jin gives Sabalinka a similar test, or is that as lopsided as the line has gotten steamed to as well? This one's way, way tougher. <laughs> I really have no idea. Um, in my heart, I'm a Zheng, uh, Zheng Shenwen supporter. My numbers say Zheng Shenwen is better than the market rates her in this match in particular. Um, and if you want, you know, a very lukewarm take, um, I'm, I have a Zheng, Wen, Zheng Shenwen uh, outright ticket that I'm not hedging. Uh, because I think that this money line market is completely broken. Uh, this should be closer to plus 250, minus 250. The fact that uh, you have minus 550 for Sabalenka is absurd, in my opinion. Um, there are a lot of similarities between Rabakana and Jiang Wen in terms of style of game, in terms of like uh, even just to, you know from a statistical standpoint or hold break percentage uh, and uh, the way that she... Uh, constructs points, the quality of her serve, all of these things are very similar. And we do have recent data of Rabakina just undressing uh, Sabalenka at, uh, in the Brisbane final. So um, I'm holding out hope that there is a, a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow for Zheng Shinwen on this magical run. Um, but it's important to note she has not played anyone of quality to this point. Uh, and so there is a huge step up in competition. She has never contested a Grand Slam final before, so there is definitely an element of nerves that could come into play. Uh, and uh, ultimately, I think uh, the, the right side, if you have not bet anything at all, women's tennis in this match and you have interest, the right side is Zheng Wen at price, um, but uh, it, it's a long shot for a reason. 
Drew Dinsick keeping it real with us today in the fast lane as he does on the NBC Sports Bet the Edge podcast, the Deep Dive with Andy Molitor podcast, and also at Whale underscore Capper. Drew, a pleasure to have you back in the fast lane. We always enjoy connecting with you and look forward to doing again soon, hopefully. I'm about that. Hey, best of luck, man, uh, and uh, enjoy, enjoy Championship Sunday. Yes, it is, starting with tennis and then continuing with football. So, a big thanks to Drew today in the fast lane. Thank you to you for listening to us here in the fast lane. Trey Lyle, VT, and Ty Tracy 90 are the way you can keep up with them. Of course, we're at Fast Lane, Ed Lane, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and wherever you listen to podcasts. And back Monday afternoon, 5 to 6, keep it locked to the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg Facebook page for a full slate of games as they unfold over the weekend.